Today's sponsor is Casper, an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the price. Get $50 toward any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash recode and using the promo code recode. Terms and conditions apply. Today's sponsor is Audible with an unmatched selection of audiobooks, original audio shows, news, comedy, and more. Get a free audiobook with a 30-day trial at audible.com slash decode. Recode Radio presents Recode Decode, hosted by Kara Swisher, powered by digital media. Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, executive editor of Recode. You may know me as a person learning to fly drones so I can buzz Trump Tower, but in my spare time, I talk tech, and you're listening to Recode Decode, a podcast about tech and media's key players, big ideas, and how they're changing the world we live in. You can subscribe to Recode Decode at iTunes.com slash Recode Decode, and while you're there, leave us a review. Today in the red chair is Tom Friedman, the Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist who writes about foreign affairs, globalization, and technology for The New York Times. He's the author of several best-selling books, including The World is Flat, and his latest book is called Thank You for Being Late, An Optimist Guide to Thriving in the Age of Accelerations. I've known Tom for a while. Um, I remember you came to one of my talks on AOL in the 90s, right? Exactly. That was so a while ago. So <laughs> welcome to Recode Decode. Great to be here, Kara. So talk a little bit about this book. Now, you, you wrote The World is Flat, which was about these themes, the idea that we are all being brought together by technology for good or worse, really. Um, talk, talk about the title. Thank you for being late. It's so the, very clever. So the, the title comes from meeting people in Washington, D.C. for breakfast where I live. And mm-hmm. um, I don't like to waste breakfast by eating alone uh, mm-hmm. when I can learn from somebody. So right. I schedule a lot of breakfast. And every once in a while, someone would come 10, 15 minutes late, say, mm-hmm. Tom, I'm really sorry. It's the weather, the traffic, the subway, mm-hmm. the dog ate my homework. And um, one day, uh, one of them, it was about three years ago now, Peter Corsell, came late and was frustrated. And, and um, I just spontaneously said to him, Kara, actually, Peter, Thank you for being late. <laughs> okay. uh, because you were late, I've been eavesdropping on their conversation. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. Mm-hmm. I, I've been people watching the lobby. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. And most importantly, I just connected two ideas I've been struggling with. Right. So month. you sat there quietly, yeah. which is unusual because you always have your iPhone or yeah. whatever at the, but, at the right. But I, I just was reflecting and... Uh, and people started to get into it. They'd mm-hmm. say, uh, well, you're welcome. Uh, <laughs> and uh, in fact, my favorite quote at the front of the book is from my friend Dove Seidman, who says, you know, when you press the pause button on a computer, it stops. Mm-hmm. But when you press the pause button on a human being, it starts. Mm-hmm. It starts to rethink, reimagine, reflect. And right. What the book is basically arguing is that in the age of accelerations, and mm-hmm. we'll talk about that, I think there's so much rethinking, reimagining, and reengineering and reflecting we need to do. And this book is is basically... Uh, giving permission and celebrating slowing down to do that. All right. That's been a theme for a lot of people. Yeah. Ariana's doing it. Like a lot of people who have been embracing the digital age are talking about that. There's a guy named Tristan, I think Tristan, I can't remember his last name, mm. but he has a whole group that's trying to get people to stop warning against the evils of social media and what happens. And we'll get into that. But talk about these accelerations. So obviously it's a theme you've written about yeah. a lot. Um, you've written numerous, numerous columns about it. The world of Splat is really about technology. Yeah. Well, you know, the, Maybe the short explanation I can give you to tie this book with the, the earlier ones mm-hmm. is um, I think, you know, technology moves up in steps. We know that mm-hmm. moves up in a step. You have a new platform, right. a whole set of technologies, mm-hmm. a scale, and then they give birth to new ones. So, right. you know, we're always moving up that mm-hmm. way, whether it's you know, from the typewriter to the mainframe right. or to the iPhone. So I think in right around the year 2000, uh, we took a really big step up. Sure. Uh, and it was based on a price collapse. Mm-hmm. And it was a collapse in the price of fiber optic cable. Right. Because of the dot-com boom, bubble, and bust. 
And um, uh, honey, I shrunk the world. Didn't mean to, mm-hmm. but we made fiber optic cable so cheap mm-hmm. uh, that um, around the turn of the century, when we faced the issue of Y2K and remediation, right. companies woke up and discovered they could suddenly access 150,000 engineers in India to remediate all these computers. And I called my mom back in Minneapolis one day and said, Mom, what's new? And she clearly made clear that I was disturbing her. And I said, <laughs> what's wrong? And she said, I'm, I'm playing bridge on the internet with someone in Siberia. Ah, okay. okay. So what happened because of this price collapse here is that connectivity. Uh, connectivity and connectivity became fast free easy for you and ubiquitous to a whole new degree a difference of degree that was different in kind in that i could suddenly touch people i never imagined touching before and i could be touched by people i never imagined touching me before and i gave that moment a name and I it was s- easy it was easy rather it was, than it was, the modem. Was fast free easy for you and ubiquitous mm-hmm. And I gave it a name. I said, the world is flat. Mm-hmm. And I actually wrote the 1.0 of that in 2005, in 2005, 2.0 in 2006, and 3.0 in 2007. Mm-hmm. And then I stopped. I kind of thought I had enough framework to understand yeah. things. Uh, it turns out, care that 2007 was a bad year to stop sniffing glue, as my <laughs> stockbroker says. Um, because what happened in 2007 is that technology platform made another big step iPhone, up. Well, the iPhone earlier was really the impetus for that. So, um, yeah. Uh, but basically what happens in 2007 is the iPhone comes out. Mm-hmm. Um, so we begin a process of putting a handheld computer connected to the internet in the palm of basically yeah. we're on our way to everybody in the planet. But, of course, what also happened in 2007 was Facebook at late 2006 breaks out of high schools and universities, goes global. Twitter goes global in 2007, starting in 2006. Um, Hadoop is started in 2007, gives us a foundation for big data. GitHub is started in 2007 gives us the world's now biggest open source. So 2007. Yeah. Um, uh, Android came out in 2007. Kindle came out in 2007. Mm-hmm. IBM Watson was started in 2007. Airbnb started in 2007. Mm-hmm. The price of sequencing the human genome collapsed in 2007. Fracking started in 2007. Solar energy took off in 2007. All right, I get the and point. And Intel went off silicon for the first time in 2007. Introduced non-silicon materials into its transistors to so extend all these more combined, and so I would these, I would argue yeah. the iPhone debut was really the well that was what kicked it off. That was that's what kicked 100%. it off. And by the way, the cloud was born in 2007. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we year. always had a cloud. But no, but the cloud as we know it today mm-hmm. really was born in 2007. And so it turns out 2007 may be seen in time as one of the greatest technological inflection points in history, mm-hmm. because what it did. It was also based on a price collapse, Mm -hmm. but it collapsed the price of compute and storage, so much so that we could now leverage all that compute and storage to change four kinds of power. We changed the power of one. Mm-hmm. Holy mackerel, we have a president-elect who can sit in his penthouse and now tweet directly to tens of millions of people around the Which world. Which others could do before and hadn't availed themselves to. Right, but here's what's new. Soak in the head of ISIS mm-hmm. from Raqqa province. Right. Now this thing is scaled to everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, second, um, it changed the power machines. Machines now have all five senses. Mm-hmm. They're co- cognition. They can think. They can design. IBM Watson, two weeks ago, co-wrote a song. Mm-hmm. So machines suddenly were endowed with these new kinds of power. It changed the power flows. Ideas now flow and circulate at a speed and scale we haven't seen before. You know, President Obama five years ago said marriage is between a man and a woman. Mm-hmm. Five years later, he's following Ireland in saying, blessedly so, marriage is between any two human yeah, beings who yeah. love each other. Mm-hmm. So ideas are now changing faster and scaling. Right. And lastly, it's changed the power of many. Mm-hmm. So we as a, a humanity, because of these amplified powers, we're now a force of and in nature. So much so that the new geophysical era is being named for us, mm-hmm. the Anthropocene. Ah. So my argument is these four kinds of power aren't just changing the world. They are reshaping the world. And they're reshaping politics, geopolitics, the workplace, ethics, 
and community. So some say for the worse at this point. I mean, this election has been difficult for some, thrilling for others. And we're going to talk about the election in a minute, but these accelerations are this, climate change. Right. Uh, it, it, the accelerations are in three things, what mm-hmm. I call the market, mother nature, and Moore's law. Mm-hmm. So Moore's law is a proxy for right. technology. The speed and power of microchips will double roughly every 24 months. The market for me, Kara, is not your grandfather's globalization. Mm-hmm. It's digital globalization. Mm-hmm. It's what you and I are doing right now, digitizing everything and globalizing it. Right. And if you put that on a graph, it looks like a hockey stick. If you put Moore's Law on a graph, it looks like a hockey stick. And lastly, Mother Nature is biodiversity loss, climate change, and population. Mm-hmm. If you put that on a graph, it looks like a hockey stick. Right. So we're really in the middle of three hockey stick accelerations mm-hmm. all at the same time. So let's talk about each of them. We're going to focus Please. us on climate change, but although it's of great interest yeah. to our audience for sure. But talk about what happens when that happens with the market. Let's start with the market. With the digital globalization. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you know, what it's doing is again, it, you know, it's, it's shrinking the world just one more notch. Let me give you one of my favorite examples okay. of it, uh, PayPal. Mm-hmm. So um, how many people know that PayPal last year gave out about $2 billion in loans around the world mm-hmm. without using a single FICO score? Because mm-hmm. no, uh, Kara runs a, a sari shop in India, and she uses PayPal all the time. So PayPal actually knows you. Um, it knows your business. I interviewed it, Jack Dorsey last night with, about Square Capital. Yeah, they, they know about your business. They know, actually, Kara's running a nice little business there. Suddenly, there's a flood in Kara's town. And uh, Kara needs a loan. PayPal knows Kara's good for it. So they don't use any FICO scores. They just use their own big right. data. And they're using this to become now a huge global lender. Mm-hmm. So you, it, and it's all being done digitally. And I see this, look, it's happening There's around. numerous companies, Klarna. Right. Oh, absolutely. Well, I, but I, and that's why I think this is scaling, you know. <laughs> but it's being done It's being done around education. It's being done around media. Mm-hmm. Um, everything that can be digitized is being digitized and simultaneously globalized. Mm-hmm. And so these flows, they actually become the new energy source in the world. You know, where did you want to build your town in the Middle Ages? You right. wanted to build it on a where river. Because yeah. right. you had transportation, you had food, you had ideas, and you had power. Mm-hmm. Uh, you wanted to build your town on the Amazon. Where do you want to build your town today? Doesn't matter. On, on Amazon. Right on Amazon. Right, right. <laughs> Is it, nice you want to build? Yeah, <laughs> clever man. Yeah, you want to build it on the flows mm-hmm. coming off the, the cloud. So that would suggest that this is good news that we have this idea that you can be anywhere. You know, there's you know a lot of Silicon Valley people use programmers all over the sure. world, and talentism is everywhere. Yeah. That kind of thing. It doesn't turn out that way in practice. I mean, part of this election has been about how these pockets of innovation are very geographical. Yeah, there's no question. It's concentrated in urban areas, Mm -hmm. um, which are highly diverse. Uh, So you have a lot of high IQ risk takers. Mm -hmm. And in uh, some of these rural areas, they've they've clearly fallen behind. They don't have the skills to do this Yeah, and and that's all part of it. And that's why the book is also called Thank You for Being Late. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't marry these technological advances with all the things you can't download, good values, good teaching, good educating, things that take time and are slow, if you don't put the two together, you're going to have a problem. So when you have a market that's moving completely digital, what does happen to all these other markets? It, Detroit happens. Uh, lots of things. Like things that are not, that have now political implications. So happen. it depends. What, what happens really depends is if you have your thinking cap on. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a concept in education called blended learning. Mm-hmm. A lot of people think, oh, we just give kids an, a computer and they'll be fine. No, mm-hmm. you actually want the computer to do things that it can do best, but still have a teacher 
to do the things that a teacher, another human can right. do best. Right. And what I'm trying to celebrate in the book is that there are a lot of human-to-human skills now that are going to be needed more than ever, mm-hmm. and there's going to be huge job opportunities in that. Well, this you is know, what Silicon Valley says, yeah. they, even as they destroy jobs. Yeah, but you I know, actually think it's true. I'm yeah. going to point, kind of point with you on this because yeah. I think a lot of the advances in AI and a lot of what is happening is actually just destroying jobs mm-hmm. and not creating a situation where we get more. There's no, there's no there's no training. Things happen very quickly. So you, radiology is something else. We aren't going to need radiologists very soon because yeah. of AI. We aren't going to need lawyers. There's all kinds of jobs, that, real jobs, that start to really get destroyed, not just manufacturing jobs, but others. And so Silicon Valley, as they move forward and talk about innovation and the future and anything else, isn't providing an answer to what happens to when jobs, real jobs get lost. And that has societal implications, yeah. as you know. Absolutely, and it's certainly one of the things that, that terrifies me. But the fact is we do have, four, with all this AI and everything mm-hmm. going on, we have 4.6% unemployment. Mm-hmm. Yes, there's a lot of people, they say have dropped out of the workforce, but wages we now have been going up for the last few months. So I have a little more faith in the creativity of human beings. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, at Thanksgiving, we had some family friends, and um, one of their sons is a restaurant consultant, mm-hmm. restaurant business consultant, uh, food consultant. And I said, what are you doing um, uh, these days? And he mm-hmm. said, actually working for a company called, uh, I think it's called Paint It. I um, mm-hmm. may not have this right. They create these uh, paint-by-numbers classes for adults in bars. Oh, all right. Exploding in popularity. You, you paint by numbers? Yeah, uh, literally right. you teach you know adults to paint and exploding in popularity. Mm-hmm. Now, whoever thought there'd be a career, mm-hmm. maybe designing paint by numbers, mm-hmm. uh, doodling mm-hmm. paint by numbers, What is that's related to another strand of the book. Mm-hmm. And I interview our Surgeon General, Vivek mm-hmm. Murthy, and I asked him, Vivek, what's the biggest disease in America today? Mm-hmm. Uh, is it heart disease, diabetes, mm-hmm. or cancer? I would think heart. No, it's none of those. He said it's isolation. Mm-hmm. And I said, isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. We're in the most connected era in history, and the Surgeon General is telling me that the most prevalent disease is people feeling isolated. Right. I think there, there's going to be a huge amount of jobs around people-to-people connections mm-hmm. in this world. And you'll never see it coming. And, you know, the guy who's running the painted bar, mm-hmm. he needs a massage at the end of the day. Right. And he might enjoy a good cappuccino right. with someone playing guitar. So it may be that we're going to think about all of these things differently. Mm-hmm. I can't say for sure whether they'll pay as much or not i don't know right but my argument is keep yourself open mm-hmm. make sure your safety nets and trampolines are strong mm-hmm. this world will be too fast for some people and educate the hell out of everybody and i think the miracle of america will work okay so you're sound very trumpian this is no. uh, i'm not sure that, I, I, no, I don't think he actually understands this at no, all but it's but, a, but interesting last time i saw you were in silicon valley yeah. in the backyard of some rich person right. yeah. and you were giving a speech <laughs> about jihad and yeah. the danger. Right. This was 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And you were warning about the yes. prevalence of jihad, how it was going to get worse, Absolutely. how climate change, how the yeah. reliance on oil. It was not the happiest yeah. message to this group of people who like ha- right. who only yes. yeah. like Absolutely. happy messages. What I, I changed? Can. What has yeah. changed here? I mean, you feel like what – because most people feel we're entering in a darker era right now again. So tell me how you look at that. Well, let me just say, as an aside, I can ruin any dinner party, and <laughs> I, I do weddings and bar mitzvahs for, for all your listeners. So uh, I'm not any, uh, I'm not Pollyannish about this at all. And my book, we just talked about the technology one, mm-hmm. but I talk about the climate uh, and the globalization mm-hmm. ones. And I basically make the point: it's empowering makers and breakers. Mm-hmm. When the world's good for makers, right, explain makers and breakers. So when the girl, when the world's good for 3D printer uh, designers and people mm-hmm. who can leverage that to make things now with at incredibly low cost and globalize it, it's also good for breakers. 
When the world's good for, you know, for the individual, you know, starting a company, it's great for ISIS. Um, mm -hmm. They can communicate. They can pack so much more power in what they do. They can act like a government. Mm -hmm. So I have a whole section of the book on geopolitics about that worry. You know, Kira, my view is not um, like this is all going to be great and it's all going to be wonderful. Right. I, I just think... What I always tell people about globalization is it's everything and it's opposite. Mm -hmm. And if you think it's all one thing, you don't understand it. It can be incredibly empowering mm -hmm. and incredibly disempowering. It can be incredibly homogenizing and incredibly particularizing. Right. It can be democratizing and incredibly authoritarian. It's about the values we bring to it. Right. And the source of my optimism is that I go around our country. And if you want to be an optimist about America today, stand on your head. Because the country looks so much better from the bottom up than the top down. Mm -hmm. That I see healthy communities. I see unhealthy communities, too. Many voted in this election. But I see amazingly healthy communities, including the one I grew up in in Minnesota, mm -hmm. um, where people are coming together. There's politics, but it's much more muted. And they're actually figuring it out. Mm -hmm. Hey, what does the world demand by way of education? Let's give our companies the opportunities that they need to globalize, to take advantage of this new system. There's In the workplace around work and education, my book is full of stories you will never have heard of. Mm -hmm. Amazing adaptations people are doing to lift the skills of their workers. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there's good news, there's bad news. It's all about how you, you tilt it. And I think there's plenty of reasons to be optimistic. All right, we're going to talk about that in the future of work when we get back. I'm here with Tom Friedman, Pulitzer Prize winning writer for the New York Times, who has a new book out called Thank You for Being Late, an optimist guide for thriving in an age of acceleration. And he's very optimistic, which is unusual <laughs> since I, last time I saw drugs, him, he just wore drugs. Of drugs. <laughs> uh, but <Don't> first, <laughs> today's show is brought to you by Audible, which has an unmatched selection of audiobooks, original audio shows, news, comedy, and more. And you can listen to all of that wherever you are, thanks to Audible's free apps for iOS, Android, and Amazon devices. It's not a streaming or rental service. With Audible, you own your own books. Tom, you can't say your own book. What book should I listen to next? Oh, I'm reading Sapiens now. Oh, I just got that. Oh, what do you think? Fantastic. I have. I, I got that. In, honest I, to God, I can't put it down. Because? Because I'm learning all about why we, the Homo sapiens, mm -hmm. uh, of all the different um, homos, mm -hmm. um, we were the ones to. Well, there's thrive. a lot of homos here in San Francisco. That's right. <laughs> I mean, uh, homos and the Homo sapiens. Yeah, uh, I got it. And the argument is because we could tell stories. Ah, interesting. And because we could tell stories, we could get large groups of people to work together. Uh-huh. That's great. Oh, I'm going to read that. It's sitting on my desk, actually. Um, when you become an Audible member, you get a free book every month, plus a 30% discount on all regularly priced audiobooks. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook of your choice and a free 30-day trial membership. Just go to audible.com slash decode, download a title free, and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audible.com slash D-E-C-O-D-E. -E. That's audible.com slash decode and get started today. Today's show is also sponsored by Oxford Road. Ever wonder how these ads on podcasts work? A startup pays a host like me to read a script about their disruptive product or service. We know you're choosing to listen, and that means you will probably, at the very least, give any product or service we mention serious consideration. But what if you were one of those startups who want to advertise on a podcast? Where do you start? That's where Oxford Road comes in. It's the leading advertising agency in consumer tech. Companies like Dollar Shave Club, MeUndies, Blue Apron, and more started with Oxford Road. Oxford Road engineers ads to perform. They buy media based on over $100 million in performance data, and their world-class analytics and attribution methods give you confidence in every line of performance, just like digital. Go to OxfordRoad.com scale Set up a free analysis and find out what it would cost you to test ads on a podcast, and maybe the next script I'll be reading will be yours. Go to OxfordRoad.com slash scale right now. 
I'd also like to tell you about Code Media, an exclusive two-day event that's coming up in February. And I'm here with Recode's senior media editor, Peter Kafka. Hey, Peter. Hey, Kara. So Code Media is February 13th and 14th at the Ritz-Carlton in Dana Point, California. Peter, tell us about the event. Who are we going to talk to there? We are going to talk to the smartest people in technology and media and the people who combine all those things. Kind of the stuff well, that you and you I and talk me. about all that the time. That starts with you and me, but who else? Kara, this is a very cool, exclusive event. If it was just you and me, no one would come. But <laughs> luckily, we have really cool guests like Eddie Q, who runs media and so many other things for Apple. Yeah, he's big really deal. He's one of the most he's important people. In, yeah, he's one of the most important people in the media world. He's coming on our stage. It's a super rare appearance. We're very excited to have him there. Well, I'm really looking forward to it, and I hope to see some of our listeners there. Code Media is February 13th and 14th in Dana Point, California. For all the details and to get your ticket, visit recode.net slash events. I'm here with Tom Friedman, well-known newspaper columnist for The New York Times and also author. His new book is called Thank You for Being Late and has a lot of technology in it. And one of the areas you cover is the future of work, which is a big interest to Recode. Uh, we talk about it a lot. We do a lot of interviews about it. Um, we're at the center of it in San Francisco. I always say, uh, you know, with the sharing economy and all the different companies that exist and experiment here, I always call San Francisco assisted living for millennials. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? They get whatever they want. But we are in this era where work is completely changing. I think half of millennials are on this kind of sharing economy, the contract work. Obviously, there's talent all over the world. Talk a little bit about where you see work going, because it's, I think, one of the most interesting things and possibly destabilizing at the same time. So my chapter on that is called How We Turn AI into IA. How do we turn artificial intelligence mm-hmm. into intelligent assistance, mm-hmm. A-N-C-E, mm-hmm. intelligent assistance, mm-hmm. A-N-T-S, mm-hmm. and intelligent algorithms? Mm-hmm. And because what I found out in the workplace, Kara, is that People are doing amazing stuff Mm -hmm. precisely to leverage these new technologies to enable workers to live at an era where we're seeing a really significant change in the pace of change. Mm -hmm. So um, let me just give you one example. Intelligent assistance. So Mm -hmm. this is the HR policy of AT&T today. Pretty important company. 360,000 employees. Competes every day with Verizon, T-Mobile, Sprint. So what they basically do in a nutshell is their CEO, Randall Stevenson, now begins every year with a company-wide speech, uh, radically transparent. Here's where we're going, folks. This is a business we're going to be in. These are the skills you're going to need to work at AT AT&T. Let's say he divides those into 10 different skills now. Then they put every employee at AT AT&T on their own LinkedIn, in-house LinkedIn system. Kara Swisher, Kara Swisher. Kara, you have seven of the 10 skills you're going to need to thrive in the AT&T of the future, but Mm -hmm. you're missing three. Then they partnered with Sebastian Thrun from Audacity and Mm -hmm. created nano degrees for all 10 of those, including a $6,000 online master's degree with Georgia Tech Mm -hmm. uh, in computer science. And then they came back to Kara and they said, Kara, um, uh, we will give you up to $8,500 a year to take the courses you need to have the skills to work at the AT&T in the future. Uh, just one condition. You have to take them on your own time. Mm-hmm. If Kara says, you know what, I've climbed up one too many telephone poles. Right. Um, I don't want to do this. AT&T now is a wonderful severance package for you, mm-hmm. but you really won't be working there anymore. Mm-hmm. If Kara is ready to do that, their bargain with you is when the new jobs open up, you will get the first crack. We won't go outside. Mm-hmm. So what so is... forced learning. Yeah, what, what, is the, what is the social contract now between that employer and its employees? It's you can be a lifelong employee at AT&T, but now only if you're a lifelong learner. Mm -hmm. And I believe that is the new social contract Mm -hmm. for the country. And the job of government, I think, is to help enable that, to encourage, inspire, and enable every employer to create both the coursework and the resources. So every worker can take these, 
But your job is you have to have a different social contract with yourself. So let's, talk, let's to, unpack that a little those. bit because some people might feel like you had a job at AT&T, you devoted yourself to it. They told you what to do. It was, it was essentially a top-down kind right. of thing. I think a lot of people would start to bristle at the idea that they tell you what skills, they know what skills they need, right. but which ones you're good at and what you need to do them, and then you do them working not eight-hour days, they're 20-hour days essentially, in order to hold on to a single job. I mean, how is that different from when I joined the New York Times and mm-hmm. said, Tom, you know, you, you're good at this kind of writing. You're not good at that. If you want to thrive here at the New York Times, you have right. to write better leads. Right. You have to be a stronger reporter. Mm-hmm. You need, uh, what well, they once told me, you need to show you can cover more business. Mm-hmm. Uh, they made me the international economics correspondent for two years before they would make me a columnist. Uh-huh. I don't uh-huh. think there's anything particularly new in that. Okay. So th- when you think about this, and they're doing it through digital means, do you, right. you mentioned several different companies, yes. LinkedIn, yeah. Udacity. Um, Learn up. Learn up. Um, and others. Opportunity at so, work. Yeah. So when you're a worker today, one, you have to be a learner. You have to learn yeah, all the time learner. or change based on what the company right. decides it needs. Yes. What else? Well, you know, the, the way I put it more broadly is that I talk about Minnesota in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, which mm-hmm. was the golden age for blue-collar work. And sure. even white-collar work. I had an uncle who worked as a loan officer in a bank, and he never went to college. Mm-hmm. You, know, you could have that work. And so there's a congressman from Minnesota who's speaking about Minnesota back then when you could have high-wage, middle-skilled jobs, mm-hmm. um, and they were so plentiful. He said, you know, in Minnesota in the 60s, 50s, 70s, you actually needed a plan to fail. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was just so you much had of to an, force, yeah. yeah. There was so much of an <laughs> You really had to suck. You to actually fail. had to have a plan to fail because mm-hmm. there was just, we stood astride the world with so mm-hmm. much industrial prowess post-World War II. And so uh, you needed a plan to fail. There was just so much opportunity for blue-collar and, and white-collar work that would give you high wages for middle skills. What's new to daycare is that um, uh, you need a plan to succeed, and you have to update it every six months. I didn't do that. Uh, right. I swear to you. Um, uh, but this book is part of my personal plan to succeed. Mm-hmm. So I'm always engaging with the world. What world am I living in? What have I learned? How are things mm-hmm. changing? Because mm-hmm. my job is to explain the world. And if I don't keep my own operating system mm-hmm. fresh and up to date, uh, what does the New York Times need me? I mean, right. New York Times readers will go to Vox or record somewhere else. And the, mm-hmm. the opportunities are now manifold. So mm-hmm. don't think I'm sitting back here lecturing people. Right, I mean, I, right. I just killed myself for three years writing a column and writing a book right. uh, in order to keep my column relevant. Oh, Relax. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so when you're in this this era, it's something I talk about a lot because there's a lot of internet startups in the media, for example, that I compete with and I yeah. work with and I look at. Sure. And one of them, uh, Jessica Lesson, the information uh, uses a term I don't love called reporterpreneur. Everyone who's a reporter, you know, we both know this right. this media very yeah. well, this job area very well. But that everybody, but beyond that, everyone has to be an entrepreneur. Can that happen? Because entrepreneurs are special. You don't you don't run across a lot of them, and there there aren't people who do that. Most people just do the bare minimum, really. So I would I would change. Do, it does everyone have to be an entrepreneur going forward, or be entrepreneurial? Yeah. So that's I was just about to say. I think everyone does have to uh, be entrepreneurial. Mm-hmm. So you know the story I I always used to tell. This is from the my last book, which I did with Michael Mandelbaum. Um, uh, that used to be us about America and. Um, I had five lessons, because people always say, what do you tell your kids? Mm-hmm. And I would give them my five lessons of what right. I tell my, my girls. And I won't go through all, all, through all five, but I'll give you lesson number five. Mm-hmm. And lesson number five was always think like a waitress at Perkins Pancake House in Minneapolis, Okay, my favorite restaurant. Mm-hmm. So uh, it came from eating at Perkins one Sunday morning uh, with my best friend, Ken Greer, very early. And I ordered three buttermilk pancakes and scrambled eggs. Mm-hmm. And Ken ordered three buttermilk pancakes and fruit. Mm-hmm. And after 15 minutes, the waitress came back. She put her two plates down. And all she said to Ken was, 
I gave you extra fruit. <laughs> I gave her a 50% tip. Mm-hmm. Why did I give her a 50% tip? Because you're a Minnesotan. No, no. Because that waitress, she didn't control much, Kara, mm-hmm. but she controlled the fruit ladle. Mm-hmm. And that was the source of her extra. She was being entrepreneurial. Mm-hmm. Maybe if I give them another dollop of fruit, it'll mm-hmm. end up in a tip. Mm-hmm. And I so applaud that. Mm-hmm. And I think whatever you're doing today... Mm-hmm. Um, you always got to think about how can I fork off here, fork off there, find another job, find another opportunity for myself or my company. Why? Mm-hmm. This gets to Trump. Because the days when a carrier is coming to your town with a 25,000-person factory, mm-hmm. that's actually over. Over. That factory over. is now over. That factory is now maybe 50 people and 500 robots. Yeah, okay? exactly. So what does that... So to They're get, worried about the Mexicans. I'm like, worry about the right, robots. No, it's what not, are you it's talking right, it's about? It's not Mexicans. This is microchips. Right. You know, this is... Mm-hmm. So what is it then we need? We need everyone starting something. I need three people to start a job for seven, seven mm-hmm. to start a job for 20. Mm-hmm. Just what you guys are doing. You know, 20 to start a job for 50. That's how we'll get that 25,000 mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. But to get that, we all need to become more entrepreneurial. But how, though? Because it doesn't just happen. I think we're outliers. I'm, there's not yeah. a lot. Believe me, I'm, and, and I'm waiting I real, I for people that. to copy right. what we've done. And I'm friggin' old. You, like, but exactly, you know what I mean? You're like, an entrepreneur in your Walt's space. Walt's older. Yeah. You know what I mean? We're I not, mine. But there's not that many. But like, you employed this guy here yeah, in your cert. He's lucky to have his job. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but I'm just so saying, what do we do to get a workforce like that? Right. Especially in this age where they feel, as you say, from technology, isolated. They right. feel behind. Right. They feel constantly pummeled by information. How do you get a workforce well, like that? Well, I realize that? not everyone's built that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, well, how do we build uh, and that's that why that I need way? three doing it for seven and mm-hmm. seven doing it for 20. Well, one thing, one of the programs I've always supported is called Nifty. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I believe it's in ninth grade. Uh, they go into high schools. Uh, and one of the ways they teach math is by every student has to have a year-long program in entrepreneurship, and you, everyone has to design a company, mm-hmm. has to design a business plan, has to show how they're going to go out and raise money for it. Many of them start companies, and, and in recent years, President Obama, at the end of every year, mm-hmm. would actually give an award to the 10 best nifty companies, okay? Mm-hmm. And so we need to be teaching entrepreneurship from a, I mean, from absolutely uh, junior high or high school. What about coding and, and other I'm, I'm computer I'm all for school? that. I'm, uh, it's not for everybody, but mm-hmm. for the people it's not for. Not basic coding for everybody. I, mean, I, I would encourage that, but I, I don't think everyone's going to be a coder, but mm-hmm. I certainly would be encouraging that. But more so entrepreneurship. I don't care if you make cupcakes, mm-hmm. uh, recirculate you know, prom dresses. Mm-hmm. I mean, all of these things that paint come out of numbers. that. Paint by numbers. Yeah, paint by numbers. Because you know, the paint by numbers, when you painted by numbers all day or led that class, you're going to need a massage at the end mm-hmm. of the day. Right, and you're going to want to really good bake good and maybe sip some coffee mm-hmm. uh, in a coffee house where someone's playing guitar. You'll, you'll never see it coming. What about the lost workers? Because there are lost workers. Yeah. You know, I just finished Hillbilly Elegy. Yeah. There's a whole of these books. There's like nine books about the yes. lost people of yeah. the United States. What happens to them? I think we need an argue in this book for stronger safety nets and trampolines. Mm-hmm. But what I would object to is Turning the whole economy around for them, stopping mm-hmm. trade, you know, closing right. off. I, I right. want to I, please take my money and mm-hmm. and take care of these people, which we have not done well enough. Right. But at the same time, Kara, you know, my friend Bill Maher um, likes to say, and and uh, and I agree with this. I'm also angry at the people who are angry because mm-hmm. you know if you read Hillbilly Elegy, mm-hmm. a lot of it's about you know all, the JD Vance got yeah. out of there though because he looked around and said all these people around me made bad choices. Mm-hmm. They married multiple times the wrong people. Drugs. They d- got into drugs. They were lazy they were mm-hmm. they did not know what world they were living in and mm-hmm. didn't try to change right they had very you know, they bad blamed. habits they so i'm supposed to uh, stop a right. tpp to choke off the drivers of the economy 
And we never well, challenge these. That's people. an interesting thing, and I think we'll talk about that next. But I was having dinner with the CEO of eBay last night, and mm-hmm. he was talking about this. Why is this country theirs? Why is it yeah, mine? Exactly. It was really interesting. It's a, that's why I say I'm you know, angry. Also, at the I people think are the, angry. You know, yeah. the, it's the sort of the attack at the elites. Yes. The elites are like a lot of people come out like, yeah, I know we haven't done it. I'm like. Yeah. You also have created most of the wealth, exactly. mostly for yourselves That's at this right. point. But what was interesting was that sentiment. And secondly, he was telling me he was over in Australia and got into a kerfuffle with the PM there mm-hmm. because they were trying to put taxes, import taxes, on a lot of things, a lot of eBay's, anything that came in, and everything in Australia is imported. And he's like, there's all these entrepreneurs in Australia. Sure. How are you going to do it? It was a really interesting – I, I really... and he was worried about global trade. Being cut off. Being cut off. And he's like, I cannot believe in this day and age yeah. that this is what wins yeah. in an election. That's right. And I, I, I am there. I, this is my country, too. Mm-hmm. And it's your country, too. Yes, I know. And we have benefited. It's and we country. have benefited. And this growth and these opportunities have enabled and empowered so many people. And because you didn't take advantage of it, because you didn't go to school, because you dropped out, because you, you know, didn't rise to the occasion, because you got married before you could raise kids or even had a job, you made bad choices. We're supposed to cut off everybody else. Is that what we're going to do? And so to me, it's not one or the other. I sympathize with a lot of people. My book is full of ideas Mm -hmm. for how to bring them along. Mm -hmm. But a bit of realism here, you know? Uh, Thank God for Amazon and for Apple and for um, Google and the opportunities they've created precisely to educate more of these people, more people who need these opportunities, to Mm -hmm. give them more ability to start a business. I think we've gone too far. So let's talk, talk, when we get back, we'll talk about that because what's interesting is sort of the, tech being left out of this new administration, not being part of it. There might be a tech summit next week. A lot of people haven't been invited. I've talked to key, key executives here, and none of them know anything about it. We'll talk about that and more when we get back with Tom Friedman, whose book, Thank You for Being Late, it just came out. Tom is obviously a well-known author and columnist for The New York Times. Casper made a perfect mattress and sells it directly to consumers to save you money. The Casper is an obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price. It combines springy latex and supportive memory foams to create an award-winning sleep surface with just the right sink and just the right bounce. Time Magazine named it one of the best inventions of 2015. Shipping to both the U.S. and Canada is completely free, and there's a 100-day risk-free trial and return policy. If you don't love your Casper mattress, they'll pick it up and refund everything. These mattresses are made in America. Get $50 toward any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash recode and using the promo code recode. Stop paying the mattress industry's inflated prices. Go to casper.com slash R-E-C-O-D-E and use the promo code recode. Terms and conditions apply. I'd also like to tell you about Recode Media with Peter Kafka. So Peter, who is your amazing guest this week? Little known, I wanted to call her a celebrity, but she's kind of on the up and coming. So <laughs> she's on the rise. I think she might turn into something one day. So we want to give these people a chance. Her name is Kara Swisher. Oh, I love her. She's so Wait a minute. Oh, you do love her. So I did I did the very smart slash stupid thing. We interviewed my boss. Mm-hmm. It was you. We talked about you. Yes, we did. It's my favorite topic. Politics. Well, enough you about talk for you, a while. It's good. me. What about me? It was a really interesting discussion about my career and, and other things and how I feel about tech and media um, as I get ever older and ever grumpier about the scene. Yeah, we got you. You were grumpy at the beginning. We talked Trump because that's what you do. You yeah. said you wanted to be less of a stenographer. Yes. And then I think you proved that point this week. Yes, so, I did. With your with your angry rant, which is good. You should read it if you haven't read it. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing myself talk. Thank you so much for interviewing me, Peter. I'm glad I could oblige. (laughs) You can find Recode Media on iTunes, Google Play Music, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. 
We're here with Tom Friedman, the author of Thank You for Being Late, an optimist guide to thriving in an age of accelerations. Uh, Tom is also a columnist for the New York Times, a longtime columnist and a very powerful one. You've written about technology from the get-go. One of the yeah. few, actually. Yeah. You know, it was interesting. Where do you think technology is right now? I asked this question of Jack Dorsey, and he felt that we have to start giving back. We have to start paying attention. He comes from uh, St. Louis, the St. Louis area, yeah. and he feels that we've done a lot of one-way communication with a lot of people and haven't been listening. That would be like him to think like that. But in a lot of ways, Silicon Valley has been the driver for the economy. And in this, some of the indications from the Trump administration are very hostile to technology. It feels hostile. It attacks Amazon. He's attacked Apple. He's attacked pretty much everybody. Pretty much yeah. And He has one advisor, Boeing Peter, too, yeah. T- Boeing, yeah. Peter Thiel, who's, yeah. you know, again, he's not reaching out to the, to the real leaders right. of Silicon Valley, although Peter's a very powerful one. Yeah. Talk a little bit about where technology is going, because it's been an unprecedented era of expansion for technology as a driver of the economy. I want technology to do what technology does, which is um, keep expanding our capabilities. Uh, because when you do that, you expand not only the capabilities to um, to sell a book or to search, but you also uh, expand the capabilities to teach, to learn, mm-hmm. uh, to lift people up faster. I mean, let's remember this era of globalization, this terrible, ugly monster, mm-hmm. brought more people out of poverty than any era in history of mankind. Right. So uh, it happens many of them were in India and China and not here. And I take that very seriously. Which was an issue in the election. Right. right. Uh, but uh, but if you stand back, you know, and see what it's actually done. So so I want technology to do what technology does. So, I, don't, I don't want them to run safety nets. I want the government to be doing that. But in what I argue in my book is that I think the federal government is not the proper governing unit of the 20th century. We oh. need them for army and for mm-hmm. fight, you know central bank. Uh, and I don't think the single family is either, because I don't think the federal government or the single family, particularly because many are single parent, can actually does not. They don't have the adaptive capacity mm-hmm. for an age when we're seeing a change in the pace. So, of what change. does each of them look like? Start with the single family. Well, no, let me let me just say okay. where I do think governing mm-hmm. should be. It's the healthy community. Mm-hmm. I think that the healthy community can be close enough to people. People can reach it. It can reach them, mm-hmm. and it's flexible enough. Uh, and that's why I profile Minneapolis, what's going on there, 2.9% unemployment, uh, you know, almost 20 Fortune 500 companies. Mm-hmm. And one of the ways it runs so effectively is they've got something called the Itasca Project. Mm-hmm. And once a week, the leaders of the community, philanthropic, business, education, government, they meet. They decide on what the priorities are in a very apolitical way. Their, their symbol is a dining room table mm-hmm. that everybody gathers around. Mm-hmm. And they govern that place in a very adaptive, fast way mm-hmm. for the benefit of a lot of people. And I tell that story, care for a very simple reason. I don't think anything has to be invented today. Right. Wherever I go in this country, I find crazy, amazing adaptations going on at, in terms of our social technologies. Right. They just need to be scaled. So that's interesting because technology has sort of been dinged, and I think deservedly, for not being part of the civic community. Here in San Francisco, one of the issues is how little. When Back in the day when Wells Fargo or the banking institutions ruled, their leaders were part of the civic society, and that part is, of the city. That Technologists is just, just aren't. And they, that is ju- just, they live in their yeah, towers. Uh, yeah, hey, live and let and live. And that critique, uh, I not only endorse, mm-hmm. I, I, I have led it in the mm-hmm. past. This kind of libertarian uh, bullshit. 
that just you know, keep the government out of my life. You mm-hmm. know, where do you think the roads, the plumbing, the wiring, the educating mm-hmm. of, of your workers happen? So I have an allergy to that point of view. Right. If you are, if the community is the right building block of the 21st century, then you have got to be a part of it. Right. In it, every which way, they shape tend not form. to do, which yeah. is really interesting. And they I, don't. One of the interesting. I don't care things. if you don't want to go to Washington. Right. But you better be, you know, uh, involved in San Francisco, Palo Alto, Mountain right. View, wherever it is. One know. of the interesting things recently has been fake around fake news, yes. as you know. Um, big controversy, perhaps a little hype, but at the same time, a lot of the companies that are involved in it try to abrogate the responsibility. They go, oh, I'm just a platform. It's not me. You know, that's their, oh, it's a gray area. They have all kinds of excuses to Can, be stupid when right. usually they pretend they're the smartest people on earth. And so it's a really interesting thing of abrogation of responsibility that technology has for the impact of its tools, like isolation, like feeling, you know, weaponizing of social all kinds of stuff like that. How do you solve that? Because technology really still acts like a 14-year-old, a particularly spoiled 14-year-old boy. It is utter bullshit. Let me get this right, you platforms. Mm -hmm. So you want all the New York Times readers. Right. Or you want all the New York Times advertising, Mm -hmm. but you don't want to have the New York Times editors. Right. Or the responsibility of the New York Times. So that is bullshit. I have a column. Mm -hmm. Uh, It has uh, hundreds of comments every time it comes out. Mm -hmm. But you know what? If somebody goes in there and puts something fake about me, Mm -hmm. we actually have an editor, actual person, Mm -hmm. who will prevent that comment from going up, scaling and going global. Mm -hmm. And that we have to pay that person. I don't know, probably 50, 60, 70 grand a year Mm -hmm. uh, in total compensation. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes the New York Times. So when Facebook and Google and all these people say, oh, we're going to let the algorithm do it, right. really? I tell a story in the book how you know YouTube was running uh, Miller Beer ads on ISIS videos. Mm-hmm. Of course, they weren't doing it deliberately. The algorithm was doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, We were talking about Uber before. You know, Uber had surge pricing in the middle of a terrorist attack in Sydney. Mm-hmm. That's when you just let the algorithm do it. We are right. letting algorithms do things that human beings should be doing. Mm-hmm. And by the way, there's work there for human beings. Right. And so it how do necessary. you change them? How do you force them into that? You place? shame them. Yeah. You want all our readers. You want all our advertisers, but you're not going to do that. That's bullshit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So where do you imagine technology going? When does it start to grow up like that? Because it's a, it's a theme that I yeah. talk about a lot because I think it's really quite astonishing. You know, you just have, we just have to shame them. Yeah. Or move them into, you know, I, one of the other things I always say is Silicon Valley is a lot of big minds chasing small ideas. It's mm-hmm. a photo it's app. It's right, stuff like yeah. that. Where do you see hope? Because this is a hopeful book in moving in through healthcare. Because, you know, whatever you think about Uber, the idea of transferring transportation is a big one. It yeah. is not a little one. Right. The same thing with healthcare. The same thing with a lot of these apps that start to, to really diagnose and using AI, using algorithms to do that. What do you think is important for technology to do going forward as a group of people? So I'm going to go back to the blended concept. Mm-hmm. If it's all algorithms, I don't think it's going to work. Mm-hmm. So I profile in the book a learnup.com startup by Alexis Ringwald. Some of my friends, Reed Hoffman, have invested in it. Um, it's very interesting. It's for employment. We've been talking about work. Uh, so one of the biggest employment challenges we have is these big retailers, Old Navy, Walmart, mm-hmm. whatnot, they get overwhelmed, their HR systems, with applications. Mm-hmm. So LearnUp came along. They create a platform. You go to LearnUp. Um, I want to apply at Old Navy, but they actually, you have to take a test. It's mm-hmm. like a two-hour test beforehand. Do you know how to fold a shirt? Do you know how to operate a cash register? Mm-hmm. Do you know how to deal with a customer? And only if you complete that whole exam, mm-hmm. then they automatically make a job of interview appointment for you. Right. Okay. So, uh, it, so it removes the friction from those Right. Things. So first of all, it weeds out a lot of people aren't yeah. serious but the most important thing is if you go to their site they have a button up in the right hand corner i think of their uh, of their platform it's called the coach button mm-hmm. 
And it gets pressed more than anything. Coach, what should I wear to my interview? Coach, what if I'm going to be late? Coach, what do you think the first question is going to be? Mm-hmm. And so it, when you blend these human-to-human things mm-hmm. with technology, then I think you get the ideal result. You get the best of both. When you try to entirely replace humans, I think you get aberrant behaviors. Mm-hmm. So I want to end up on two things. One, social isolation, which I think you talked about, yeah. the disease of social isolation. And then lastly, I would be remiss if I did not talk about the situation in the Mideast sure. and with ISIS and others. This is something you've written about, yeah. your great book, yeah, From Beirut to Jerusalem. Yeah, it was a seminal book for me to read. I remember it. I want to get a sense. Let's start with that. Where They do have these tools to reach people across the world. They have digital tools. Where does that end up with this at this point? Um, it's very scary. And it's why I have a, to me, the most important chapter in this book is the one called Is God in Cyberspace? Mm-hmm. Because it's, it's, it really is raising uh, the values question. Right. What we came from a uh, twenty years ago, I was selling Lexus in the olive tree, and a man stood up at a theater in question time and said, "Is God in cyberspace?" Mm-hmm. And um, uh, I went to my rabbi, and I got an answer. I put it in that book. But then I I started asking that question again: Why mm-hmm. I care? Because what we've learned, what's basically happened since I wrote that book twenty years ago. Mm-hmm. Everything's moved to cyberspace. Right. It's now where we find our dates. It's where right. we find our friends. Mm-hmm. It's how we communicate, how we learn, how we do commerce. So everything's moving to a realm right. that I, where I say we're all connected, but no one's in charge. Mm-hmm. And when we're all doing business now in a realm where we're all connected and no one's in charge, mm-hmm. well, you get some really... Uh, aberrant behaviors. You now get fake news. You get uh, Russian hacking. You get banks being hacked. And I think what's really unnerving to me is that we are seeing so much now move to this realm and we're understanding now, wait a minute, nobody's in charge. And therefore, how Nobody we, can stop it. Nobody can stop it right. necessarily. And, and everyone's got to have their own wall and their own protector and their mm-hmm. own you know, firewall and police force and whatnot. And so what the chapter is about, again, it gets back to the human thing. Why the most important things in life are all the things you can't download. Right. The things you have to upload the old-fashioned way. One human to another right. at a time with strong values, good community, good parenting, good religious values. But here you have ISIS using, you know, there was an interesting article in the Atlantic this month, I don't know, the weaponizing of right. social media and yeah. how they created fear online as they moved into Mosul and sure. places like that. And a lot of it was fake. A lot of it yeah. was like, you know, it was, feels like Nazi propaganda, essentially. Well, again, part of the challenge of offline education. Is and, and Twitter just recently got rid of some of them. Yeah, well, just these guys only recently. Up, you know, the Internet is an open sewer of untreated, unfiltered information. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have citizens, kids and neighbors who have the built-in filters to understand which you know, what's don't. fake, which a lot of them don't, Again, that's going to be a huge career job in the future. Mm-hmm. I mean, educating people and grounding them in values. Well, they hate to intercede. They're always talking about not wanting to intercede. Well, I mean, yes, Facebook got no. rid of its people staff because they got pressure from conservatives and said, yeah, we'll, well rely that, on the algorithm. Um, can I call bullshit yeah, again? Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Um, you know, we don't let our readers write the front page of the New York Times. Mm-hmm. I, right. I don't think you should. And, and, exa- and I don't yeah. think we should either. I just so. had an argument with a reader who didn't like somebody. I said, get your own fucking website. <laughs> that's right. Exactly. <laughs> I don't yeah, care. That's right. Exactly. It's my yeah. website. That's I'll right. say whatever I want. Well, it's our newspaper, too. Mm-hmm. And if we've built enough trust with our readers around the world, mm-hmm. then then we're going to have those. And we're not giving it over to you. Want to mail a comment in? God bless you. You want to send a letter to the editor? And I'll even read it. Mm-hmm. Okay. But um, we are built on... On real journalistic values. Right. And, and so these companies have to, the ones that are the gatekeepers now. Exactly. The, the, You've the got to step up to it. You know, one of the, Steve Jobs was a friend, and mm-hmm. one of the last conversations I had with Steve was about 
this issue. He um, had a sense of this. He understood it, um, mm-hmm. and he wanted to form a board, basically, and which we talked about, about how to bring editorial judgment to these right. things. He did care about these. It was he one of the last few. Cared. You cannot absolutely. get the rest of them to think no. about it in any way. I have no time for um, Because they, they, they throw out words like false positives and false negatives. Oh. And, this. and I'm like, yeah, but Can what about sense? Can a fourth time? Yeah, you know, since I had an argument with, the, with Jack about, <laughs> I think Trump put up a lie, an actual lie on Twitter. And I was like, it's a lie. It's a provable lie. And yeah. he's like, well, you know, you, everyone has a chance to have their opinion. I was like, no, they don't. Yeah. Like, it was really, it was an interesting. Not when people are getting their news primarily Because everything is relative, is yeah. relative. So let's finish up on social isolation when you talked about that idea. People do, they're constantly staring at their computers. They're st- constantly staring at their phones. You go anywhere, anywhere, nobody engages, yes. no matter what you are. And it's, it's, a, it's a trope, but it's a very true trope, yeah. you know, that people really don't. You can't get people to look up. You can't get people to put their phones down. It's an addiction. It's yeah. clearly an addiction. You know, you worry about it with your kids. Anyone who has kids thinks about it. How do you solve that problem? And what do you think about it? I mean, there's, on one hand, it's amazing. Like, it's astonishing that you could Pull anything down from anywhere in the world from right. a single device you're holding. And it's moving to VR. It's moving to stuff that's going to live on our yeah. bodies. It's going to become more immersive with time, um, almost completely immersive. Uh, Elon Musk talks about neural networks that we get plugged into, so right. we become the computer. Can you talk about what this could mean? Like, what, what has to happen if that's the case? Because it's inevitably headed that way. I can only tell you about my own life. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, um, uh, so I talk the talk of globalization and technology, but I do not walk the walk. <laughs> I'm a late adopter of everything. Mm-hmm. You don't I, use Snapchat, Tom? I, I you would, don't look I, like a Snapchat. I wouldn't know Snapchat from a Snickers bar. And, um, <laughs> What's uh, wrong with uh, you? Exactly. I actually don't look at Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm on Twitter. I have followers. But if mm-hmm. you want me to tweet something about your show, care, mm-hmm. call me and my assistant will do it. Uh-huh. Okay, you don't I do not Twitter. know how. You I do don't not look call. at Twitter. Yeah. And um, I don't have a Facebook page because mm-hmm. um, I know who my friends no, it, are. That's fascinating. Yeah. Why um, do you do that? Because I How really, resist? I really um, know who my friends are, and mm-hmm. um, they're not a thumb up or a thumb down. Mm-hmm. The people I want to be in direct contact with, I will. So again, blended model. I use the cell phone to make it better for me to uh, mm-hmm. be in touch with my good friends around the world. Mm-hmm. You know, but um, I, I'm not on Facebook. I, I mm-hmm. don't participate in Twitter. If you're tweeting about me, have and they fun. are Tom, I, just oh, FYI. Oh, believe me, <laughs> I, I, I I can see from the comment section. Yeah, I'm just not interested. Mm-hmm. Um, and why? Is that? Why is that? Uh, Many people can't resist. I can't resist. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I engage I all can. the time. Well, I, I'm in a little slightly different position because you're in your columns in the New York Times. I mean, mm-hmm. it, you're a really lightning rod. I mean, mm-hmm. everybody is mm-hmm. is, uh, is tweeting at you. I'll tell you what I found in life. Here, I have my own Nielsen point ratings. Mm-hmm. If I'm walking down the streets here in San Francisco or an airport, what really matters to me is somebody stops, does a double take, turn around, right? Because you're says, well known, and says, "You know what, Mr. Friedman? I read I read the world is flat." And because of that, I changed my job. I changed my career. Mm-hmm. That person, to me, represents a million tweets. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There are so many trolls out there. Yeah. Um, so many people who aren't really engaged. And, you know, all that matters in life, in it's my twitchy. view. It's twitchy. It's very twitchy. What matters in life is only what people will say to your face. Mm-hmm. The rest is, I can sit back and... And mortar people, and mm-hmm. you know, with, with, with fire off blasts on this Twitter. Is very wise, Tom. Yeah, so, I might take um, your advice. I'm only interested what people say to my face, mm-hmm. good or bad. Uh, and it's not like I, I don't get criticism or it doesn't filter through. I got a comment mm-hmm. section on my column. I can mm-hmm. see what people are thinking. Mm-hmm. But I'm also keenly aware there are a lot of people aren't doing that, mm-hmm. and they're reading you and they're appreciating you, and they're not caught up in all the dish, you know. Mm-hmm. Because I sit where I sit. You know, everyone wants to, you know, fire at you. Mm-hmm. But if you take all that in, 
you start to think the entire world hates me. Mm -hmm. um, and it's really unhealthy because mm -hmm. you're not really getting a proper survey. Mm -hmm. It's all the people on Twitter. Then all the people on Twitter have time to do this. Right. You know, and, uh, and I just think it's a subset. I'm not saying ignore it, but I'm just not interested. Right. In it. What I, the way I lead my life is I'm always on to my next book. Right. Catch me if you can. Right. You know what I mean? I'm, I've always I've told the New York Times this. I can spend my day answering email, mm -hmm. or I can spend my day thinking about the next story. Right, right. And I'm an old fart enough that they leave me alone to do that. Yeah. And so that's how I wrote seven books, because yeah. I, and wrote a column twice a week, because I don't waste my time. Um, uh, it's so the it begs the question, we have a president who is the twitchiest person on earth. It's really dangerous, because, you know, I believe... He uh, can't stop tweeting. It's, addic I, it's addictive. I think it's addictive to him. It plays into it's the very narcissism dangerous. that yeah. he has. Because I believe that, you know, you write your column, you write your books. At the end of the day... Somebody's going to add them up. I can't go tell you this book is better than it is. Mm -hmm. You know, either people are going to buy it on you know Amazon or their bookstore, or they're not. And so, my to my critics, I say y'all have fun. But either people are going to buy it or they're not. Mm -hmm. What you say isn't going to matter. You mm -hmm. know, I, I, I go back and read the reviews of the world is flat. It sold four and a half million copies in forty two languages mm -hmm. since then. Yeah. So if I got caught up in all those reviews, right. I would never write another yeah. book. You yeah. know, so I really go through life with a bit of tunnel vision, um, a little cotton in my ear, mm -hmm. and focus on being the best reporter. And thinker I can. And so, at the end, somebody will add it up. In that vein, and this is the last question, how do you look at media now today? You work, New York Times obviously has been under pressure yeah. uh, financially. Uh, still a fantastic publication. Yeah. One of my favorites. I think possibly my favorite. Yeah. The Washington Post is thriving under Jeff Bezos yeah. now, it seems. Become a if, really good. I mean, yeah, I, great editor. Good paper, but I think they have a great, great editor, editor. Great publisher. I, great. I think they have a great editorial page editor. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's a really great Great paper. technologist, actually. And I celebrate that. Right. I want all so these So how do you feel run. about the media? I mean, you're, you and I are both at the tail yeah. end of our careers, but how yes. do you look at where it's going? Well, I really like um, my reading habits. Are, I, I like curated news. Mm -hmm. I like news that's edited. So I read the in the morning the Financial Times, the New York Times, the Washington Post, the Wall Street Journal. And I also go to Real Clear Politics because mm -hmm. I like to make sure I'm I'm seeing news from the far left, the far right, the center left, the center right that I mm -hmm. wouldn't normally see in these newspapers. Sure. So I really like to get a range of opinions. But I thank God for the New York Times. We don't do fake news. We make mistakes. We're humans. We like any newspaper. But it, people there come to work every day committed to writing about the world without fear or favor. Mm -hmm. And I Thank God every day I work for the Salzberger family that allows me to do this and that will stand so, up. So, but to in media in general, I mean, here you have Facebook sucking out all the value. You I'm have. really worried about it. I'm just really worried about so it. So, what happens? Um, you know, Someone I, I, in Minnesota figures right, it out. Exactly. Like I'm, 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 I'm hoping that Kara, lady. That's right. I'm hoping Kara, is my fruit. That's right. <laughs> I'm hoping that there'll be a um, the pendulum will swing back the other way with fake news. You know, in the last month, don't hold me to these statistics, but I think we got over a hundred thousand new um, did, yeah. uh, online readers. Yeah, which and Trump that, incorrectly tweeted exactly. about. Exactly, and so that is such I'm a using huge, incorrect in a wide exactly, way. Exactly, yeah, that is such a huge source of of optimism for me because mm -hmm. people say fake news, and I want the New York Times even more. So if you want good things, but but in terms of how we get our news, how do you go like crazy? Like how in fifty years, yeah. how are we going to get our news? Don't know. Again, I'm. We're I'm eat it. I think it's going to be the the blended model. Um, mm -hmm. There's going to be something like a Facebook where we'll get it from our friends, some of it, and there'll be uh, all kinds of new um, hot startups like Vox and mm -hmm. you know Recode. But I, I hope, and I think there will be still a place 
just like there's always going to be a place for that teacher in the classroom, mm-hmm. I think there's still going to be a place for the New York Times. Oh, Tom, you're such an optimist. What's your next book? <laughs> My next? next book is about golf, but not the Persian golf. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you save that one for the end. It's really about golf? Um, I, I've been threatening my publisher uh, always to oh, that I, God, I want to write a book about golf. golf. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, I look forward to that, and you will not be on your, my show for that book. I'm sorry to tell you. Tom, thank you for coming in. It was a pleasure. It was great talking to really you. Really great to be here. Thanks for coming yeah. by. If you enjoyed this interview as much as I did, be sure to subscribe to the show. Be the first to listen to future episodes or catch up on previous episodes, including some really fantastic interviews that I've done with Reddit CEO Steve Huffman, author Tracy Kidder, and Iron Man director John Favreau, just to name a few. All those interviews and more are at recode.net slash decode. Now that you're done with this, why not try one of our other podcasts? Recode Media with Peter Kafka comes out every Thursday. On Fridays, I host Too Embarrassed to Ask along with Lauren Good of The Verge. And on Recode Replay, you can find audio from our events like the Code Conference, Peter Kafka's Code Media, and Jason Del Rey's Code Commerce. We just had a great interview with Jack Dorsey of Twitter and many others. Thanks for listening. Thanks also to Digital Media, which distributes this show. This has been another episode of Recode Decode. Remember to subscribe to the show and leave us a review at iTunes.com slash Recode Decode. I'll be back here on Monday with another great guest. Tune in then.